Amen. Good, good, good. Grab, give someone a high five because that's the first thing we preach about, high fives. Oh, this thing's growing. That's good. So I had some lunch and grew. Awesome. Thank you, worship team. My favorite thing about worship teams is the anointing of the Holy Spirit when you can hear the keyboard coming through and no one's playing it. I think that is, this is like that. that's just the funnest thing about worship teams. We have that with a bass player every now and then. It's a real cool track on one of the Planet Shakers songs. And there's this mean as bass line and we just crack up because no one's actually playing it. It's, that's good. And praise the Lord for technology. I like this. This is good. This is like, very cool. Um, I want to... I wanna, Start off with a story tonight. I don't know about you guys, but uh, um, when I was younger, in fact, when I was around about 19, uh, a whole lot of us went for a trip to what was then called Parachute Music Festival at Matamata. I don't know how many of you have been there or done that, uh, but it was, it was awesome, great music festival. But on our way up, we, uh, we stopped in Taupo. And uh, great, great Lake City and all that sort of stuff. But we stopped there for a purpose. I don't know how many of you know this, but at Tapo there is a thing called a bungee jump. Now, I don't know how many of you have done a bungee jump, but I was there and there was a whole group of us, a whole group of our friends. And, and uh, I was like, I'm keen as to do a bungee jump. I'm, I want to do this thing. And, and, um, and so... The, the, the people that work at the bungee jump place are very skillful. They distract you until the very last moment. And it's like, stand up now. And so they're, they're doing all this stuff and talking to you. And they're talking to each other and making you feel very safe. We're like, check this, check one, check two, checking it again and all this sort of stuff. And then they make you stand up on this edge and they just tell you, oh, just be careful because the, the bungee's got a little bit of weight that you don't get pulled off and, and before you jump off type thing. And... Uh, how many people have done a bungee jump in the room? Couple, so you can relate to this, and uh, everyone else just embrace the story. And uh, so we get up to the edge, and the guy says, "All right, okay, we're just going to count down real quick. You know, five, four, three, two, one, and we'll say bungee, and that's when you go." And and uh, I had a whole lot of friends. The platforms out here, and I had a whole lot of friends just over there, um, yelling all sorts of encouraging, discouraging. Uh, uh, language to me and, and current, whatever it was and anyway we stood up there and I was like the main thing running through my mind was I can't wuss out I can't wuss out I can't wuss out uh, I've got to go when they say go because if I don't go if I hesitate I'm not going to just get grief now from my friends I'm going to get a whole lot of grief later on and so anyway we got up there, the guy goes, okay, five, four, three, two, one, bungee, and I jumped out like Superman, fall, fall, fall valve, dived, and uh, praise the Lord, the bungee worked, <laughs> up and down again, and up and down again, and I can, I, I can never forget that feeling, it's one of those feelings that you'll never forget, oh, I, I'm not going to encourage you or discourage you if you're into that sort of stuff, go have a go. Um, but afterwards, we got out of the, uh, the well, they'd lower you down into a little r rubber dinghy boat, and they take the harnesses off you, and you, you walk back up through this track, and you go immediately into the shop, and you see the photos of you, and all this sort of stuff, and 
But one of the things that they have in the shop was this, were t-shirts which says, Taupo Bungie, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And uh, there's all these, and was, there's heaps of them, and, uh, and, and I looked around and like just almost everyone was buying this t-shirt to sort of brag that they've gone, you know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this, and man, when it even comes to, ch- I didn't buy one of those t-shirts because I was too tight, and <laughs> I was like, yeah, I spent all my money, that's right, because I was 19, I had no money, right? Uh, but I didn't want to buy one of those t-shirts, but I understand the concept where people uh, have, you know, that concept of been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Now the the problem of that is that 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 been there done that got the t-shirt concept means that I okay, can I don't need to do a bungee jump anymore because I've been there and I've done that and I've got the t-shirt I I've got bragging rights I I you know I could you know if I walked around with one of those t-shirts I was like yeah that's right I did it I I had enough courage uh, to jump off and or, or enough stupidity. Or, or, or uh, you know, whatever it was. But, you know, in church life, sometimes we get this attitude, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. And I want to talk tonight about, uh, about breaking this mindset of been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Because every single time, amen, every single time that you meet together, whether it's in an E-group, Every single time when you meet together in an E-team, every single time when you meet together on a Sunday, we, we need to kick that mindset out of the park. Been there, done that, got this. Oh, you know, tonight, Sunday night, 4 o'clock service. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Sometimes we can enter in and we can come into church at night. I was like, oh, okay, I've got to make it through to 5.30. And then we'll be able to go home. But let's, let's not let that spirit creep into what we're doing. I don't believe that spirit is here, but I want to preach on it. I want to I go through it because I believe that if we can keep expectation in our heart every single time we meet, every single time, then I believe God will move in, 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 in and through everything that we're doing. Two passages of Scripture I want to read out. One is Exodus 17, verses 1 to 7, November. November. Anyone want to translate that? Numbers, all right. Uh, numbers chapter twenty. Now this is, I, I've, I did some research on this because it really seems like this is the same account. But doing some research and and I'm happy to be proven wrong. But it is actually two different accounts of when Moses strikes a rock for water. So it's two two different occasions. So Exodus chapter seventeen. Let's go there. Oh, that's Numbers, Exodus. There we go. Okay, we ready? Um, One to seven. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me, and why are you testing the Lord? Excuse me, but the... The, but, but tormented by thirst, they continued um, to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt and uh, you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock, with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do to these peop- with these people? Uh, they are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people 
Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water on the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and the water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. So we read that one. Let's read over in Numbers. And this is interesting. Who likes it when you read your Bible and you read some things and then God, God shows you some stuff? That's good. Okay, Numbers chapter 20, 1 through 13. In the fifth month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived at the wilderness, wilderness of Sin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt, bring us here in this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle, where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, You are and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. Um, as the people... Uh, as the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. We're going to keep reading. Uh, so Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. I like this guy already. <laughs> Must we bring you water from the rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and the water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But, who knows that when but happens. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing because there was people of Israel argued with the Lord. We read this account. We read these two separate accounts. I believe they're two different times. And it's interesting. Moses serves God. Moses and Aaron are serving God. But in this account in Numbers, we get down to verse 12, and it says, and the Lord is upset with Moses. He says, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness. Oh, when I was reading that, I was like, what's the problem here? <laughs> what Moses and Aaron went before you. They asked what to do, and then they went and served and, and did it. And, but what happened, well, the problem was, is that Moses did it wrong. Moses did it wrong. See, there was sort of this mindset that maybe Moses might have carried. And, and I'm slightly speculating, but come with me on this. This is the first journey. Moses goes before God and is like, well, oh, these people are whinging and moaning. What do you want me to do? And God says to him, get the staff. You know, the staff that's in your hand, get the staff and strike the rock. So Moses is like, okay, cool. I'll go do that. He gets the staff. He strikes the rock and the water gushes out. That's pretty cool, right? To feed to, to feed, to quench the thirst of millions of, of people. I mean, that's a big, I mean, that's a, probably a grade five whitewater rapids or something like that. But then in this account of numbers, the, the, as I was reading it, so the problem with this one is that God says to him, he says this. He says, 
speak to the rock over there and it will pour out the water. He didn't say Moses strike the rock. But Moses went and he struck the rock. And so sometimes I believe what God wants to, for us to do in our lives is, you know, it, there might be a, this might be a Sunday after Sunday or a situation after situation, another time in the middle of, in the, middle of the service that we're, we're praying for people again. And like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. Okay, everyone, put your hand up if you'd like us to pray with you. Put your hand up. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We're blah, 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 blah. Oh, phew, we got through that. Oh, how do we do that? Oh, next week, oh, it's time to pray for people again. Put your hand up if you want to be prayed for. Put your hand up. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And we get into this mindset of this repetitious mindset where we just go through stuff and we don't really go through it with that finer tooth comb, with that finer comb of hearing what God is actually wanting to do. And we miss it in, in, in everything. You know, the first thing that I want to share or talk about this morning, or this evening, is familiar, familiarity will kill teachability. Moses got familiar. He's like, oh, I've got to do this rock thing again. This whole rock thing. All right. It must have been. It's quite a cool party trick, if you ask me. Uh, and uh, so he went and did it. But he didn't do it the way God asked him to do it. And I've learned over a few years, a few years, that just because you do it one way here doesn't mean God wants you to do it another, the same way there. And But we've got to be open to what God is saying every time when we approach a situation. Like even tonight, what are we doing? We're having church, but is this what God wants us to do? I'm asking myself every time I stand up and preach or every time we're doing something, God, what do you want to do? And we're open and available for what God wants to do. So let's not let familiarity uh, kill teachability. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> you like that? I want to encourage us to be in a place where we can love instruction from God. Actually go, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to do right now? Uh, if you're a worship leader, if, if you're an e-group leader, if you're just you in your workplace, turning up to work, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? What could God do? What miracles could just be at your fingertips when you're asking God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? I reckon we miss a whole lot of opportunities. Sometimes because we have that been there, done that, got the t-shirt mentality. And, and we're like, oh, you know, another, I've got, to, I've got to do this again or another meeting. I mean, some of the most powerful moments have come when I've just asked God in a meeting, what, what's happening right now? Because someone's uptight right now. Or someone's not their normal self right now. I'm like, okay, God, tell me what's going on. And God just reveals something. You can, you can, you know, poke it a little bit, and and then the Holy Spirit moves in them, and they, and you can end up start working through and seeing amazing stuff happen. Um, First Corinthians chapter eleven verses twenty three to twenty six in the message says, "You must not let familiarity breed contempt. Let's not let, let let's." Let's not get into a place where we're like, oh, so what? Another service? Oh, I just wish, you know, summer would come around faster so I don't have to go to the four o'clock service. 
Don't you like it? Sometimes pastors just say it how it is. Especially visiting pastors. <laughs> but what about, why, why do we preach? Oh, I preach on Psalm 100 so much. All the time. Verse 3. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Not ever getting into a place of famili- familiarity. You know, I was just here and uh, I'm, 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 worship- I'm, I'm praising God this- tonight. And I've never, just a moment, man, this just happened. I've never um, taken Jake with me anywhere to minister. But Jake comes in tonight. And we're, in, we're praising God, and he's jumping up and down praising God. Now, he does that a little bit at church at home, but normally he's running around with other kids and all that sort of stuff. But tonight, what's he doing? He's jumping up and down praising next to me. I'm like, cool, I've seen a bit of that. But then we stepped into worship. And then suddenly I look next to me, and he's lifting his hands in worship. I'm like, I don't want to ever get into a place of familiarity, go, oh, man, oh, Jake, you stay home tonight because I'm probably going to be out late. But there's not like, oh, okay, come along. And I missed, I I didn't miss, I saw the first time my son lifting his hands in worship. Now, I don't even care if he's copying. Because he's he's stepping into something that he's he's hearing from God. And so I don't ever want us to get into a place as a church. Don't get familiar. Every time you meet together, believe for the power of God to move. Believe for God to teach you something. Believe for, for you to come away with something from God. Just one of those precious gold nuggets that God wants to reveal to you and to me. Number two, God still moved, but you didn't advance. The scary thing about familiarity is that God will still move, but Moses didn't advance. Isn't that crazy? Where He still hit the, struck the rock. The miracle still happened for the people. But then Moses and Aaron didn't advance because they just went with familiarity. They missed the miracle. Man, isn't, wasn't church awesome tonight? Oh, yeah, it was all right. Isn't it amazing how some, so many, we can have such different uh, reactions or expectations just because of familiarity? Uh, I, I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, that message was all right. I have. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord for that. You can always learn through everything. All things work out for good. I keep reminding myself. Um, <laughs> it's really encouraging, those ones. Uh, <laughs> but I've heard, like, and I walk away, I go, thanks. Yeah, you know, I will. <laughs> thanks very much for that. And then you walk over here and someone else will come up to you, man, that was just what I needed. You're like, hey, you're like cool, just keep going with this. But, you know, let's always remember that familiarity can derail you. Familiarity can get to a point where um, you miss out on the very things that God is wanting to do. So let's not let familiarity derail us. If you grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15, you'll probably know the scripture. It's the story of the parable of the lost son in Luke chapter 15. Here we go. So in, the, in Luke chapter 15, where are we? There we go, 25 to 32. 
There's the story of the parable of the lost son. If you don't know it, a real quick parable is that there's a father with, with two sons, and one of the sons says to the father, look, I want to go and live life my way. I want to go do my things. Can I have my share of the inheritance? So the father says yes to the son, and so the son takes his share of the inheritance, leaves, but then through bad decisions, bad choices, and he loses all the money, but then he comes to his senses and says, you know what? I need to go and ask. Uh, I need to... Ask God for forgiveness, and I need to go to my father and, and ask him for forgiveness. And then the father sees him coming. He welcomes him back in and embraces him, and he gets restored. He gets the uh, sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger, um, you know, and a dressing gown, or equivalent to a, a robe. Uh, a robe is slightly better than a dressing gown. And so we're we're in this point, and, and in Luke chapter 15, verse 25, this is the, the, the brother's uh, the brother's um, opinion or reaction. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged him, but he replied, All of these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. This father, yes, oh sorry, his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Every, everything I ha have is yours. We, have, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but he was now found. I want to say when it comes to familiarity and it can, it can derail us, man, the, the, the older brother missed the very point that someone got saved. That someone got saved. I know what it's like to, to be in a church, and we, we believe for this every Sunday. We believe for it every Sunday. We Like what Dougal said this morning, every Sunday we will give an opportunity for someone to lift their hand and, and respond to Jesus. And I've been in church where Sunday after Sunday, and I'm not saying this over this church, but I'm just saying I've been in churches Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. No one puts their hand up. But then that next Sunday, someone responds. But we didn't celebrate it because we got familiar with no one putting their hand up, no one responding. You know, the older brother got into a point where let's just do church. Let's just work in the fields. Let's just work, do everything that what I'm supposed to be doing. And then come back to his father and say, Lord, I've done all this stuff. What's the problem? Why can't I have something? And he misses the very point that his brother came back home, came back from being lost, and now is now found. I want to say in church, let's make sure every Sunday we're praying into it. Every Sunday we're believing for God to move. Because, man, I've been in church when my dad has been in church twice. And I'm, I'm, I'm flipping heck. I'm going, you all should be praying. Because my dad needs Jesus. And that's my attitude. He's been in church once in Marston, and he's been in church once in Nelson. 
And every in both times, I'm like, pray, people, pray. I want to see, I want to see salvation for my dad. You know what? People in this room have. You've all got people that you're believing for. You've all got people going. You know what? When I bring them to church, you all better be praying. Because <laughs> this is what we exist for. This is what we're believing for. But let's not let familiarity just derail our lives. Oh, yeah, okay, we're doing this again. It's Sunday. This is what we got to do. Now let's, let's continue to keep faith alive. Let's continue to celebrate. And here's the thing is, we have this presence every Sunday. The older son forgot about that. You can step into the presence of God whenever you want. There's a whole lot of lost people out there who, who can, but they don't know it. We can step into the presence of God whenever we want. Let's not lose sight of knowing that God is right there and right here tonight. Awesome. I can't see my, my clock has died. Sweet. Sweet work. Thank you. Duncan, can you come play some tricks? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moses and Aaron didn't enter in because they didn't hear and they didn't do the what the word of the Lord was. Familiarity can kill teachability. And that was number one. Number two was familiarity can derail you. Number three, I, I really believe when when I was asking and I'm praying about this, is like, God, what were you trying to teach? Because God's always trying to teach something. There's always something to get out of a situation, even if it's a negative situation, even if it's a hard situation. And I was there, I was like, well, okay, Lord, and just because I am who I am and I ask questions, I'm like, okay, then I, 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 I draw a column in my, in my journal and I'm like, okay, there was a rock, there was a rock. There was Moses, there was Moses, there was Aaron, there was Aaron, there was a staff, there was a staff, there was water, there was water. And he was like, okay, there was an instruction. The instruction was hit the rock. The other instruction was speak to the rock. Ooh, I'm like, and I'm just, this is, I'm just giving you an insight into my head. And uh, I'm like, okay, so the first one was about striking the rock. And so, you know, the staff was bringing hope and it, and it was a, an authority thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. But, okay, God, why did you want, why did you want Moses to speak to the rock this time? And I rewound in my Bible just a little bit and, and you get to Numbers chapter 11, and, and that's when Moses sends out the spies into, into the promised land. And, and I started thinking about it. I was like, well, is it, are you trying to tell me something here about our declaration? Are you trying to share something? You know, because the spies that went into the promised land, they went into the promised land, but only two out of the 12 came back with a good declaration. And maybe God was just saying, you know what, I want to teach my children something today. I want to teach them about the power of their declaration. And because the last time I gave them an opportunity to go into the promised land and come back with a powerful declaration, only two of them came back with a powerful declaration. So Moses, I'm sorry that I forgot to tell you about this. You just needed to obey what I told you to say. But I'm wanting to teach people about the power of their declaration. And, and, and I want to say that tonight. Man, the power of your declaration is so powerful. What you declare out of your mouth, what you prophesy out of your mouth, I believe it's going to happen. I pray for my family all the time. I'm just like, God, come on, I want to see my family saved. 
I've been praying ever since I got saved, which I was 17. I'm almost 40. You do the math. It's been a long time. But come on, what, is, what about the power of our declaration? I'm going to finish because I'm almost finished. But in Mark chapter 9, there is this story about how, well, let's, I'm just going to read that. Mark, Luke, right, rewind. Mark chapter 9. There's this time where Jesus comes along and uh, it's, this, this, it's when Jesus heal, heals uh, the, the demon-possessed boy. It says this, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were there arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran out and greeted him. Uh, what is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed with an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whatever the spirit seizes him, it throws him in, uh, violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire and into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? I think that's one of the greatest replies that Jesus has in the Bible. What do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers, was growing and he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes the boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and then left him. The boy appeared to be dead, but a murmur ran through the crowd. And as the people, he's, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him up to his feet and he stood up. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. We'll grab the keyboardist or whoever, and we're gonna we're just gonna pray in a minute as well. But I think, listen to these words. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Any answered. Anything is possible if a person believes. Now I think this is the one of the most honest replies in the whole Bible, because I relate to this father's answer. I don't know if you've ever thought about this way or if you've been going through stuff or, 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 or you come up to a point of, 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 of faith and there's this contention between faith and doubt and this battle going on. But the Father says this, He instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. Man, when I'm praying for someone, I'm believing for them, God. But I can pray for someone with a headache. But what if the person was in a wheelchair? I'd be like, oh, Lord, you're the same God. But I would have to ask, answer like the Father. 
Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, the greatest thing that we can learn to say out loud is, I do believe. The greatest thing that the the spies going into the promised land could have come back and said was just all the good stuff and zip their mouth when it comes to all the negative stuff. I've learned over the last nine years that as a pastor, I'm real good. I mean, I am real good at remembering all the negative stuff. And I forget so fast all the positive stuff. Well, that's just, just how that, that spirit works. But I believe there's people here tonight who have just, may, or maybe you've gotten to a point where even if you're on the worship team or sound team or hosting, maybe even you're just sitting there there's this sense of, oh, okay, been there, done that. This is what we do on a Sunday. But there you've lost that zeal in your spirit. You've lost that expectation in your heart. Your declaration is, is even just slowing down a little bit. I want to encourage you tonight to, to, to break off this familiarity, to get into a place of expectation to believe in God that we can meet in this Wellington High School auditorium and believe for an encounter with Jesus. Whether we see someone respond to Jesus or not tonight, it doesn't matter because what God is doing in you and in me tonight is just another step further to take the courage and the cry of His heart to the people of your world. And I prophesy and I'm declaring that you're going to start seeing people saved one by one, by two by two, by four by four. I believe there's a multiplication coming because there's an expectation in your heart. But tonight we're going to pray and we're going to push back against the devil. How he's because he just steal. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the one of the you know, another word for steal is stealth. I hate it when I figure out that the devil's gotten after he's gotten. Happens to me all the time because he just likes to sneak in. Then I repent and I give it back to God and he he forgives. And I step out again, and I step out again with expectation. I want to say the first thing tonight, and I believe this is prophetic. Sometimes we can have the response to God. You can heal Him if you can. Jesus wants to say to us tonight, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? This is... This is easy stuff because it's God of gods. I want to tell you tonight, God, God's for you. He's not against you. He's working in and through. I want to read one more scripture because so many, so many, so many people, it annoys me. So many people quote this scripture wrong. Don't you hate it when pastors say that? Well, I've been quoting that one for ages. This is Ephesians 3.20. And I'm going to read it how most people quote it. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. 
Amen. That sounded right, didn't it? It sounded exactly right, didn't it? I want to I want to show you the the missing part. Is now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power, at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. See, I want to tell you, church tonight, it's about believing on the power of God at work within us. We quote the scripture all the time, God can do infinitely more than we could ever ask or believe or think. But we forget about that we're the very tool, we're the very thing that God wants to work through to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. We quote it going, God can do that, God can do that, and we're out here of the Scripture. No, we're the very middle of that Scripture. And I want to say tonight, God can, God wants to, but let's let's stir up faith tonight. Let's break off familiarity. Let's believe for people to be healed. Let's believe for the power of God to move in our lives and through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Help us with our unbelief. Why don't we jump to our feet and we're going to finish and we're going to pray. But I would love to pray with people tonight. If Maybe you've gotten into this space where, and we will pray for whoever and everyone. Because it's about believing. See, one of the things that I'm believing for on my sabbatical is to be refreshed in God. Not to not do anything and I love encouraging people I love praying for people and I'll pray for every single person in this room if, if, if that's what God wants to do tonight but I want you to be encouraged tonight, I want faith to have been stirred up in you, I don't want you to go walk out of this place with that familiar spirit going, awesome, we can go and have pizza now, no worries, great let's, let's get all this stuff done, tidied up No, I want you to go out of this place with an expectation that God wants to work in and through you. God wants to change maybe your declaration. God wants to break off familiarity. And so as we sing this next chorus or songs, if you you know that you're in a place of familiarity and you just want to be prayed for, I'd love to pray with you. And then our team's going to come back and we'll finish the service. So if that's you, just shoot down the front. It's easier for you to move than it is for me to find you. So I'd love to pray with you. Just as we sing this song, come down the front.